Hello and welcome to the Prismatic Academy podcast. I'm Kristen Marie and this is episode 24 with Diana David. I feel so excited and very privileged, not only because Diana is the second TEDxer I've been fortunate enough to interview and share a conversation with, but also, if you've ever seen her TED Talk, The Red Ball, you know that she does not let down when it comes to the delivery of a powerful and impactful message. We're all in for a treat. Diana is a storyteller, performer, dancer, edutainer, and the creator of the Red Ball Movement, which seeks to empower people through, of course, dance and performance, but also authentic self-expression, which you should know by now, the Prismatic Academy is all about. In this interview, we not only get to hear about Diana's insights on the discovery of your own personal genius and how to express that creatively, we also get to hear a little bit about her background story. It's one that I'm completely enamored with and know that you will be too. I mean, who goes from a successful career in mechanical engineering only to leave everything she knows to join a clown school? I'll tell you who, this beautiful woman. If you've been fortunate and brave enough to have made such a decision in your life that requires you to trust in yourself and the universe, you'll completely get it. And if not, you'll soon learn what it takes to surrender to things that are greater than yourself and to share a gift with the world in a way that only you can. In general, it really goes without saying that Diana is an all-around incredible human being full of wisdom and She has a very special gift for teaching expansive concepts through play and movement. Just as a heads up, somewhere towards the end of this conversation, I actually get to experience one of Diana's meditations and practices, so feel free to join along on your own, so long as you're in a safe and quiet area. Okay, we'll cut the intro and get right into it. Without further ado, here's episode 24, Creativity, Clowning, and Conscious Evolution with Diana David. warm-ups are helpful for you but they're kind of helpful for me (laughs) okay um so are you reading anything interesting lately um yes actually i'm on my way to um look at interviewing the woman or there's a collective here in vancouver and it's actually all the way around the world and uh, it's called the invitation to happiness Mm -hmm. um i ran into it just this week um and it's by a spiritual leader in Japan by uh, Ruho Okawa. Mm-hmm. And um, it's inspiring me because it's a whole bunch of um, notes on how to find uh, yourself, uh, seven inspirations from your inner angel, and then there's exercises. So I'm going to be taking this on a little journey with me and doing it myself and then posting it on YouTube, my Life of Play channel, so that people can play along with me. Amazing. Very cool. Are you going to help, are you going to help them or allow them to kind of walk through exercises with you or apply what you're learning? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's kind of the, I always love being the demonstration before the explanation because in January I'm going to be launching my uh, nine week uh, life performance course online. So this is the same way of just like, how do we create engagement and do it myself by being accountable to certain like things like that. So that's kind of what the things that I'm starting for this season. So perfect. And yes, yeah accountability is so big for me and I love being able to lean on the community for that too just kind of keep me in check but especially when it's fun and light like that and where others can benefit and play along too amazing um I'm curious to know who your favorite person is like would you tell me and you know it could be like a little bit political but somebody who just has a really great influence on your life and you know who you reflect on in in important moments um, you know, it's, it's really funny. A lot of people go, well, do you know this person? Do you know this person? And a lot of these name call, name, um, name, name dropping. And I, I don't tend to look outwards a lot. I really look inwards. And 
the closest to me would be my mom and my dad. Mm -hmm. um, if you've seen my latest Facebook post, my mom celebrated her 72nd birthday um, uh, last weekend. And I was in a festival at that time. And so when I was really, and it was called the Impact Festival, and I was reflecting on my own like who impacts me mm -hmm. and being such an extrovert you look outwards so the first time I normally talk about my dad being inspirational because he's such a persistent loyal social community kind of guy on the other hand my mother is the complete opposite to him and so um, my mother when I was growing up I was actually really afraid of her because of her stern qualities she's very meek she she really believes in God a lot you know she doesn't really speak out a lot she takes in a lot of um, my dad's extroverted energy and transmutes it and I never know how he she does it until I was able to really acknowledge the depth of spirituality and the depth of um, practicality that she has and is able to, and has been able to accomplish as much as she has with the little that she has. So being, um, losing her parents at the age of 12 and going to Manila and then raising three engineers in Canada and accomplishing a huge feat while still giving back to the Philippines. And I didn't know about this over uh, only at these last couple of years when mm -hmm. taking the time to get to know her, she has proven so humbly the power of the heart the mind and the spiritual self um, in her in her ways just through her committed practice and so she's my 100% even deeper than what you see out there in TED talks with my dad sorry dad but um, she kind of wins with the, the whole even deeper um, impact in my life so I would say my mother for sure I love that you know and I would I would consider my mom to be very, very similar in that regard, too. I think the women in our, our lives don't always get enough credit because they're so strong in their silence. You know, they, they endure and bear and they do everything and give everything, but it's often just not readily apparent to most people. That's incredible. Yeah. I that story. For those who... Um, may not be familiar with your work and who you are, um, would you be able to give us just a brief introduction, um, an overview of your mission and how you got into movement storytelling and what that's all about? Oh, for sure. So I like to look at it into like three main phases and it's kind of entering into its fourth phase. But when I was very young, I re recognized my aptitude and the ability to move. And um, I have a innate ability to dance or pick up like how people are able to move. So at a young age, I was a, a dancer, Filipino dancer. My dad created a Filipino dance group. And we learned our cultural background and language uh, through the stories that were told, um, everyday stories through dance. Um, that being said, my father was, um, you know, a creator in his own right, like uh, creating a whole new life in Edmonton and had shown us how to just create with almost anything. He's like the duct tape guy. He can make everything. So with that, uh, engineering kind of came into my life because I was able not only create every year a dance performance for our dance group. Um, I grew up as a choreographer, eventually a choreographer and uh, uh, I would say artistic director of the group. Um, <clears throat> I also strove, uh, worked hard as uh, an academic and uh, went into engineering. So engineering is the study of movement or mechanical engineering specifically is how things move. So I was really fascinated with objects um, and how to design objects. So now my fascination of movement moved into more professional career, which moved me into San Francisco working as a professional consultant. And then from that, um, you know, I think the opposite to moving is um, stagnancy. And, you know, on an emotional level, I recognize the stagnancy of my passion um, as a, a performer and um, a very spirited, activated soul. And um, that kind of opened up into my awakening of my purpose. So sitting behind my desk, I felt so um, in contradiction to my purpose. So 
I actually started to take uh, acting classes and everything that I was afraid of, acting classes, singing classes, movement classes that were beyond my natural innate ability as like a hip hop dancer and a um, uh, just Filipino dancer. So then from there, that exploration led into clown school and acting school and um, they just kept saying, wow, you have this ability to make people laugh and attract people. And I was curious what that was. And so when I went to clown school, it really taught me how to engage and motivate people without even saying anything. So uh, using my physical ability and my desire to see how we can attract and even repel people based on our energy. Um, I started to use mime and physical theater to travel around the world and test out these you know, findings. Um, with that led into the last portion, which became, well, mo Movement Storyteller, um, which was uh, a 10-year cycle of being able to create my own one-woman shows. I created five that toured across Canada and North America. And um, now being able to put things into production, full circle of being a Movement Storyteller as even a Filipino dancer, recognizing that our stories are, get, are being able to be told um, first, even the how we become. So my performance pieces now have now moved into life performance pieces uh, with my expressive arts therapy um, certification, which I just graduated last year. Mm -hmm. Combining healing, combining storytelling, and combining um, the principles of performance and movement and dance into a very cohesive experience so that we're writing our stories. We're clear about what our intentions are and that we're living it authentically so that our lives are the the stage that we play on and when you're watching an actor who's inauthentic you can know that but when you're watching an authentic actor or performer you're moved by them so the final version of my exploration not final like actually the next phase is how how do we move how do we motivate each other and then even now the masses because I've learned that all these skills have put me into a position as a, a public speaker motivational activator and um, yeah now being a leader of <laughs> the truth I must live it and uh, you know bring the people around with me and activate their truth so that we just live uh, the most authentic life possible um. so that's my summary. <laughs> That's beautiful. You know, and these four chapters and how you put it, I love how at every stage there were like clear progressional transitions while also kind of looping back and marrying all of the things that you love and the best attributes. And it just sounds like you really paid attention to yourself and you paid attention to other people's feedback without kind of compromising who you are. And I'm curious to know, just to go back to the beginning, because I think a lot of people have this perception that arts and science, almost like engineering, so dance and engineering are contrasting things and that they don't work together well, but it seems like you found a way to make them work together well, but recognizing that the balance for you looks differently that it wasn't like a 50-50 thing or an 80-20 thing. And something else that you mentioned, that you did something that scared you. And I feel like that's actually what pushed me into dance. So I started salsa dancing after being an athlete my entire life or just very academic and, and focused on studies and sports to where I recognized that dancing scared me. And so it was a thing that I had to do. But I had such problems and complications with moving my body in different ways, in ways that looked sensual and authentic and created connection with others. So I'm wondering if you have advice on how people can get into more movement and how to have that awareness that it carries through in everything that they do. Oh, wonderful question. Uh, my, my, my wheels are spinning, as we might say it. So um, let, me, let me start. I speak metaphorically, I speak scientifically, and I definitely speak artistically. So whoever's listening, really take in um, the pictures, if that relates to you. If it's a sensation in my voice, really take that in. And so I'm going to do my best to even feel it first. 
um, in order for you to understand it. So the first step is to be it. And being it, um, there's a difference between not being it and being it. So uh, the process of learning is what I started to study. So just like the, um, the golden ratio, it's like, um, it's, it starts off with one loop, but then it just keeps growing a little bit out, a little bit out. And it's like the cycle. Like we always have a process of um, like, like the unitary particle. And then when you put it together, you molecules, and then you make a bigger pattern and you make the whole self, right? So my goal is to always look at the very small unit of focus that is actually changing or creating the self. So when we bring back to fear and love, that is the range that we as humans actually um, operate by. So when you love it, you're attracted to it. When you're in fear of it, you're pushing away from it. Mm -hmm. And to eat every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we have to embrace um, the dualities of life so that we can understand where we are. And as a person who is um, looking to grow, we must look at, well, I have looked at the areas of my fears. So fears are actually in place by our ego in order to show a difference of what you love. Mm -hmm. So I had looked at my fear as a, um, uh, a point of focus. So my fear of speaking had actually pushed me to become more of a dancer. So there was a benefit in that. So my brother said, you suck at singing. So I said, fine, you can be great at singing, but I'll be great at dancing. And then I exhausted my ability to become a really great dancer. So I chose all those avenues. But then because we're a whole self, we don't want to live our lives based on um, just all we love. We actually want to be fully embraced. So we're actually not in avoidance of these things that we, we um, look away at. So I said, after I've embraced this skill, I'm going to be more authentic and I'm look at my fears. Mm -hmm. So then I use this energy of my love of being able to move and then I faced my fear of speaking so one happened when I said I'm ready to face my fear of speaking I got a TEDx talk <laughs> and the universe always does that because when you're when you're using your passion to or your energy to um, create mm -hmm. a platform will be created in order for you to manifest it and what an amazing platform that was. Your TED Talk was incredible. It was so good. I don't think anyone would ever believe that you would have a fear of speaking. It, it almost looks like you've been doing that your entire life. So the, see, what you're going to see is that I actually juggled with a ball because that was my aptitude and my strength to remember my lines. Mm -hmm. So I had to use what I had to fight what I don't have and learn how I can become the new self. Mm -hmm. So just before my actual talk, I spent three and a half months writing my talk and it was one of my biggest fears with my coach. And I was like str struggling to realize that my memory doesn't work unless I'm moving. Mm -hmm. So my aptitude of movement helps my memory. So I was looking at my strengths, and it's called strengths-based learning. Mm -hmm. so, so then I learned how to speak. See, you notice I'm moving because I demonstrate my movements with my talk. So now as an example, I've been able to face my fear of speaking with my strength of movement, and now I have the ability to speak and talk. <laughs> And demonstrate the metaphors of my red ball, my silver ball, and my crystal ball now as a mode of uh, teaching, learning, and speaking. So that said, my soul, my, my awareness, self-awareness has risen because I have diminished my fear and increased my love. And thus my potentiality of like learning and growing and, and actually manifesting is greater. 
So that's how I've married my arts practice, my science practice, my understanding of like how to use my potentiality into manifestation. And now I do that in everything I do, and I support people to do that. Mm-hmm. So if that's, that makes sense, that's kind of how it works. And I love it. And I, I love that you you immediately recognize your strengths and how that can actually pull you through you know, so many other experiences, not in a way to conquer them, but to just expand who you are as a person and to expand the things that you're interested in. And I love how you spoke about strengths learning. And I think what came to mind is a question of how do you keep strengths learning strong? Because I think our body naturally tries to desensitize or we become desensitized to things that we do often right so it's a big reason why I don't play songs that I love on repeat or why I don't sell my art or do commission work because I'm so afraid that what I love will get old so how do you keep what you love fresh and in balance and in a place of continuous growth so the first thing I love doing with people is to help them really narrow down what their red ball is, which is their genius, which is through these two pair of eyes, out of all of the distractions of life, my eyes see a unique perspective and genius that only my heart, my soul, and my beingness is here to deliver. Mm-hmm. So that is my strength. And when I align myself to that, which to me is my ability to see in between two matrices, like a matrix. So I enjoy looking at the 20% of the 100%. So if you're looking at a um, piece of art and you say, Chrissy, well, how do you see this art? And the way you express it or the how you say it, you're like, it's missing something. It's missing um a sense of external texture that helps jump out at you. And I'd be like, wow, I would never think of that, right? Mm-hmm. Only your eyes would do that. And then if you go and demonstrate it, then that was your contribution to this. And that's what makes you so unique. So strength-based learning is to return to your red ball, that that sweet spot of what your eyes are here to deliver and then staying focused with that and knowing that that is a contribution that shifts the other 80% it makes the other 80% it's what it's what um, you delegate to other people because they haven't seen it and that's what gets created so my my goal really in um, how I learn is I take all the pieces And then I master all the pieces. But what makes it the masterpiece is how I assemble it through my eyes and through my contribution and my formula of this soul's um, makeup. So that's to me my work. And to watch when I'm distracted with the 80% of everyone's like, you need this, you need this, you need this, which is great. Everybody else is 20%. But to me, is first start with what my 20% is and then see how I work with somebody else's 20% and together we make the rest. And, and that collaboration is greater. So I hope that explains it all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it sounds like one needs to fiercely guard who they are and to like really hold true to their center. Because I think the other, the 80% and people's perspectives I mean, it is valuable to an extent, right? You take it with a grain of salt because it's not always easy to recognize what our genius is. So, and you help people with this. You help them discover what their genius is. So what what does that process look like? Because I feel as if like the default is to have a blind spot there. Like usually I feel like there's a blind spot in front of your genius. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I think in the process of growth, uh, from the early age of birth, um, we were already equipped with our genius. And, and I believe that our soul, um, it was the closest to source before it went into the birthing canal and it went through the process of forgetting. Mm-hmm. And in this process of forgetting, as we enter into life um, the first phases is um, our heart drive was literally 
remembering these certain types of programs through our influencers around us. And then it was really just to create a container for this ever-expansive soul. So with that first phase of life, you create a, a little bit of a, you know, um, a container. But then during the independent stage of life, we actually start looking at ourselves as other to, of, to other people. So comparison starts to becoming part of our game. And then that's when we're, we're starting to look at our inner guidance system between um, other, they have this and I don't have this. So we're going through the list. But then in that listing, we need to take inventory on what aligns with that first makeup of our soul. And that only comes with questioning. So the process really is um, more so remembering right. to remember, return back to that soul makeup mm -hmm. and questions that has a space in it, right? An exclamation mark is a tell, like I'm telling you something, straight line, this or that. Mm -hmm. A question mark is an open space, right? So just like uh, the universe, if there's a space, it will always fill it. Mm -hmm. So to me, the process of one of understanding who you are being is to ask, how are you being? Mm -hmm. And then when you are in a safe space and trusted space with yourself, mm -hmm. that space, that, that self speaks. And my ears are tuned to capturing it and then using expressive art tools to just visualize it, see it. And the more of you becomes real. And the more you like connect with these things, they become part of your beingness, the mm -hmm. I am. And then from there, you become the self, the actualized self that you are here to become and be. So my work is originally the linear phase was from A to B, mm -hmm. this like goal-oriented thing, which a lot of us still practice. But the work is A to B. Mm -hmm. Be you. Be what you are now in this present moment. So the language, the, the practice of talking to yourself, the taking inventory is all of the work that is needed so that you're constantly being truthful every waking moment. And I help, um, I help people um, look at that, their ikigai, which is the reason for being. And you might see that in some of my promotional material, just so you can see, uh, you know, what the world needs, what uh, you're good at, what you love to do, and what people will pay you for. So mm -hmm. you become an effective contributor based on being you. Great. Yeah. Oh, that was so beautifully put. And I, I love that you speak universe and how you talk about potential. And I've loved the imagery of the question mark because you know the universe will always fill voids and in questions you open up so much potential and there is there isn't like one clear answer because it's not based on any kind of contrast so that was so beautiful and I have to okay so I have to confess something to you because you're on video and I'm not and I'm just watching you as you move as you speak like you move as you speak and I think it is the most beautiful mesmerizing thing and I'm trying to be conscious of that just in myself and when I'm when I'm speaking back to you because I think that we are just so conditioned to be still and to you know because how even if you walk into a business meeting you see everybody sitting upright and straight and when they respond to you it's as little movement as possible so do you have any recommendations for like simple exercises that people can do or practice um, in, in everyday formats to get more movement into their life and when they're interacting with people. Oh wow, okay. So if you come to any of my conferences or my events, I teach the word move, play, and love. And I teach it in the acronym, the acronyms that they have been downloaded to me as. So, I'm going to teach you move. So, can you spell move for me? It's M-O-V-E. Yes. So, and I did that without movement. <laughs> oh, well, you lift, move. 
and you're smiling so it works already which is how it works so move is manifest our vibration everywhere manifest our vibration everywhere so I'm gonna start with the first most simple move that you could do okay go from a straight neutral face here, I'll do this with you. Okay, you're gonna do this with me. If you're yeah. recording this, we gotta show it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there we go. Oh, there. Hello, hello. Okay, so the first thing you need to do is try to make a blank face. Okay, just neutral, dull, anything. Tune into your inner space as this dull face is just neutral. And then just tune into the inner space that is holding the outer space, which is your physical body. And just take notice on what do you feel. It almost feels like I'm trying to suck the energy out of my face. So you've sucked the energy out of your face. Wonderful. That's good notice. Now in the center of your heart, let's say that's where your red ball is. Okay? And your heart has more electromagnetic powers than your brain does. So it's like your heart drive, where everything is stored. And from the center of your heart drive, let's practice the word maybe... Give me a, a positive word you want to practice. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cheers. So let that, the word cheers expand into your heart. And then let it expand into your organs. And then expand into your chest, into your belly, into your arms fingertips, all directions into your neck, down your thighs, into your face, down your legs, down your feet, and then it has this energy of being able to sculpt and shape whatever it's touching, which is your skin and your body, and then let that word cheers start to just have a little bit of activation. And then let it allow the movement start to just like do what it needs to do in your skin. Might change your face a little bit. Let it expand more. Maybe shaping your face a little bit to what this word cheers feels like. Okay. And then on the count of three, you're going to let this word cheers vibrate outside of your body into an expression and then you just let it go ready one two three let it go yeah oh, that's <laughs> i have to like be i'm holding my cup of coffee i'm like okay Kizzy, be mindful don't throw your coffee <laughs> <laughs> well you should that's the way it would have been yeah <laughs> so the trust the trust now is where was there any resistance sure. was there anything where i said wait stop mm -hmm. But where was the part where you were like trusting in this whole expression? Mm -hmm. Okay, so the truth is, okay, just finalizing it, mm -hmm. is that your vibe brings your tribe. Mm -hmm. Your vibe brings, your tribe is first you and your, your body, your mind, and your spirit. So start with that first. Then if it's like, oh my gosh, my body needs to shake, mm -hmm. you better shake. Yeah. Okay, you're asking your heart what you need most. Okay, well, I need to stand up, so you stand up. Yeah. But a move is a repetitive move over and over, okay? Mm -hmm. But it becomes a movement and a dance when you add a feeling to it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so you're a deliverer of the feeling. A manifestation is a feeling connected with a move to manifest the move. So you are constant, ma constantly manifesting, but it bases on your vibration that starts from the root of all in your heart. 
So if the sensation is like, I'm contradicting myself, so open yourself an opposite reaction mm -hmm. and then add a feeling. So that is the key to moving and you know your best movements. You are your innate teacher. So listen to yourself first. I am not your teacher. You know the answers. So that's my answer. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of it is, it sounds like stop keeping yourself so contained. And, you, and I don't know, like we just met this morning, but I think that I'm like a very controlled person in so many regards, but also a very expressive person in, in different regards, in spaces that I feel safer, right? But even in your, your description of what it means to, because you can just do a dance move, but it's the self that you bring to it that gives it that unique expression and that's what people really make a connection with and my mind automatically goes to line dancing i are you familiar with line dancing right and how in some circles um you'll see people who are just like their head is down and they're so focused and concentrating on just doing the movement and it's great that they're doing the movement and trying to get that right but the there is this crazy big huge obvious level between like those dancers and the ones that you want to watch based on how they are expressing the exact same movement right yeah yeah I, I just a notice of my own journey of movement and I did start from an inside out process as a child because my dad really looked at my ability to dance and then just shaped it with the cultural but then I went into a controlled, which is to high competition of hip hop dance crews and, you know, like trying to look like everybody else, which I, you know, went through that process. But I realized that was outside in sort of like I kept going, why do I have to try to look like them to be mm -hmm. myself? So I actually popped myself out mm -hmm. and then clown school went back from inside out where what was speaking was what I needed to be that big parent to facilitate truth for so now I've stepped into that process of understanding inside out outside in inside out again and that is the the work mainly of expressive arts therapy where there's no final destination it is the creative process so that is how I understand it yes that is so great yeah and you know what I think somewhere I think I I realize that too, to where I'm just like this salsa dancing line dancer. <laughs> I'm like, I'm never going to be that, that hip hop line dancer or the straightforward one. I'm like, I'm just a salsa dancing line dancer. <laughs> I actually would take that differently. You are that and you are the feeling mm -hmm. that lives that. Oh. That's so much, much better put. <laughs> yes. If it leaves you with that smile, then that is the beingness that you are are when you self-adapt. Mm -hmm. So return back to the spirit of like, ah, oh, I am salsa. Mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm the energy of salsa, right? That's what people want, to, why they want to dance with you because you are that, the freedom of that. It takes heart, it takes a lot of heart and trust in thyself to feel free. Mm -hmm. Right? So that, that is the highest level of practice when you are getting into a space of movement. So yeah. salsa into you. So there. <laughs> I was like, oh, I love it. So we're coming up on, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but there are two things that I am curious about. So I want to hear more about clown school because for me, I, like being totally ignorant of it, it doesn't sound like your experience of it is anything that any any typical person would ever expect. So um, maybe we can walk through that and then I really want to hear about your upcoming projects in more detail so that we can share it with the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, clown School was uh, an obliteration of my ego, I would have to say. <laughs> how, did, how did you even, when was that like a, yes, I'm doing doing this? What did, what did that even look like? Or how did you even come into your, your world? Um, well, I realized that one, I'm a high achiever and I'm a perfectionist. And that came out of being, coming out of university and um, almost crying and like not make like whatever. So I end up getting the job and by 
age 24, I'm already like, I've achieved everything. So you, you, you feel this constriction of like this tunnel and you're there. But then at this point, I'm like, what do you do from here? I had to break into this whole new paradigm. And I realized that I forgot how to laugh. I was so serious. I forgot how to laugh. So uh, as an engineer, you always have to like look at the opposite side. So I said, oh, crap, I'm going to go. And then I went to acting. I went for this musical where the fight choreographer saw my aptitude of dance or movement and that I have a desire to just be silly because it was like my outlet, right? <laughs> so all of you was like, are you a clown? And that like took me, like I was like, mm, excuse me, how rude. I'm yeah. a hip hop dancer. So from attitude to like this new attitude, I was like, he's like, there's a clown school over there. So going to clown school, um, it was like a new area that I was brand new at. So Miss Achiever said, let's freaking do it, right? So I auditioned and I actually get part of it. And it would actually take during work hours. So I was tested with the idea of do I quit my job and venture into something completely brand new? Mm -hmm. So I went through the summer of like, oh my God, I'm going to do it. I quit. I, I quit to just completely jump two feet in and I needed to because um, I had to learn trust and vulnerability. And for a clown, the clown is the most vulnerable actor on a stage where they emulate their emotions and their skin is literally just the shaping of that emotion from the range of love and fear. And we're just a demonstration of these ecstatic states and we become the story for the audience to be relatable to. And you process them with yourself being a demonstration and funny enough, the smallest mask is the red nose. <laughs> and it like, oh my gosh. And every time I needed to just stay focused, I just focused on my red nose. Mm -hmm. And or the, the tiniest little spot. So as I journeyed, I learned all of the physical abilities that I had, the fears that I had, and learned how to face it. But it's literally just energy. Energy is in energy and motion is your emotion. So clown school helped me create an inventory of my own inner emotions, have a platform to artistically display it, have challenges um, just such as juggling and putting dance together, seeing the things I like and I didn't like, and then being able to have a container to shape it now through my methods and my way of delivery to an audience. So the art, the, the art of clown is a beautiful educational self, I would say it's my first self-empowerment, self-education um, experience. And then thereafter, I started to go to um, all these personal development courses, which in their language was literally the baseline of this so put it all together we're all like learning how to learn ourselves and become demonstration of the world absolutely and it seems like the culmination of, of all of your experiences come together so beautifully in your awareness and and i love how you are taking that and communicating that back to others because i think a lot of us i in my experience in talking with people it's not an uncommon story to be at that place because similar to you like high achiever i feel like i peaked at 25 accomplished everything had the house the marriage the businesses everything and then what and then all of a sudden you have this massive like i worked so hard and i achieved all of this and i don't want any of it and now what and you have to like trust and and surrender but it's i think it it feels almost shameful because you're di you're diverging from the expectations of perhaps society and so having that trust and moving forward and you're never I feel like you want to forget yourself but you can never ever remove the self from that equation and moving forward in that journey is incredible so tell me about 
how you're helping people in that position expand upon their awareness, move more into their self and become more expressive in, in their genius. What's this next chapter looking like for you? Uh, mm, I feel really empowered to put all of the skills that I've had uh, as a performing artist, an educator, now a speaker, and a performing just just motivator. I just feel like heart-based from that. Mm -hmm. And putting on um, events that help the masses realize their own truth um, through these questions that I've developed, that I've done for myself, and have it more of a transformational entertainment, edutainment sort of experience. Because we need to do it in play. And play stands for practice learning about yourself. And when we stay in the play, we're constantly using, I would say, like, three key things we need as to remember as humans, those souls. So one is what's your center? What, what were you here to do? What's your contribution? That special something, that red ball. Two, realizing you're creative. So there's constant creative tools that are reminding you that change is inevitable. So you have to always learn how to keep creating yourself moment for moment. You know, there's no parent, no influencer that's going to say that's the final destination. Through your creativity, this, this process of learning, you're able to collaborate with others now. So one plus one equals three. And we're here in this generation to become creators of the new earth order, our, our neo self, that new self, as a whole collective. So the work is how do we work playfully together, not in resistance, more in the celebration, recognizing that our strengths are here to self-support and elevate each other, and then become the movement because of our emotional intelligence, the way we communicate consciously with each other. So we have these tools, artificial intelligence, and now I'm working on how can we make it artful impact, like our creative connections so are we using from social media and my work is it has turned into anti-social media so we're losing our humans mm. but we have to remember connection because it's now social medicine to me so this medicine is transmuting past the screen because we know it as part of our tools but it's the emotional connection that you are taking in for yourself as a responsible conscious being that you show up in your life on that side of the screen and you're making an impact with your community, with the experiences you're putting out there and with the fears you're willing to face. And now you're not alone. So that is the motivational tour in all these aspects. And I'm looking forward to really activating people to make moves that matter and um, changing their paradigm of like old belief systems and recreating new ones that we can all live in fruitfully, abundantly, and co-creatively, right. and be safe in it. Right. So that's the word. Beautifully. I love that you don't leave play out, right? Because, like, these are such they're, – they're, they're big ideas, and, and because a lot of it is facing our fears, like, we try to take it seriously, like, right? We try to, like, address it and solve the problems – with the mind, but remembering that we can solve it with joy and with the heart, I think is even more powerful. And so thank you yeah. for sharing your wisdom. Yeah. I'll leave you with the last word, just because we got to finish it, and then we're going to leave it at that. The last word is love. It's the deepest, most difficult, most, most important, and it's learning our valuable experience. And this experience in ourselves, being alive today, to have this unity and this communication, now I encourage people to understand their value because we are a commerce of love. Mm -hmm. And so what I hope to empower now is compassionalism. And through love, learning our valuable experience by going out there and trying things, 
is learning our valuable exchange. So go out there and say what your value is and ask for what you need so that you can constantly be exchanging love. And so with that, my world motivational tour is returning back to the places that gave me love and I'm giving them back love through volunteerism, humanitarian projects, as well as my de location destination camps that people are able to find themselves with. So that's love to me. That is love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Amazing. Um, wow. I feel just, I don't like completely grateful and I love hearing your perspective and your story. That's totally unexpected. Like I, I didn't think that that's where this conversation was going to go, but I'm, I'm so happy and thank you. I really, really appreciate you and your work and, and your time and all that you're doing. Thank you again, Diana, for sharing your story, art, and wisdom with us. I want to take a moment to reiterate a point Diana made on acting out of fear versus acting out of love, because I feel like a thoughtful and intentional look at this was one of the most pivotal moments in my own life and journey. I guess the question, are you playing to win or playing not to lose, can be akin to, are you taking action or movement towards what you love? Or are you living a life that simply avoids your fears? I think this is really important because ultimately, fear can be a great compass. It can serve as a starting point for calibrating towards where we ultimately want to be. So I encourage you to examine your fears closely. Have a conversation with them. Ask them if they are real or figure out what they are really trying to show you. Investigate the story behind them and when you're ready, Maybe dance around or push on the edge of that comfort zone to see if you can expand your world far enough to encompass all that you love. If you'd like to learn more about Diana and her unique way of tackling the fears you are willing to face, you can check out her website, dianadavid.com. I'll also have her information in the show notes on theprismaticlife.com, as well as links listed in the description box below. If you haven't already, Please like, share, and subscribe so you don't miss out on updates and new episodes like the one coming up where I get to chat with a badass boss lady about her work, life, and story as a business strategist and angel investor. It really makes a difference and I love seeing this community grow. So thank you so much for your support and engagement. Okay, until next time, cheers everyone.